Film Pulse is supported by the kind donations from listeners like you. Please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmpulse for just $1 a month and help keep the podcast on the air. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Welcome to Film Pulse. This is episode number 259. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Doing all right. This week on the show, we'll be talking about the New York Asian Film Festival, which just wrapped up uh, yesterday, I think, was the final day. So we'll be talking about some highlights, some of the stuff we saw there, and some little lowlights, too alongside of what we've been watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD, Blu-ray. First, we have some sad news to talk about. Literally right before we started recording, uh, we saw that that George Romero has passed away at 77. We don't normally mention people who pass away on, on the podcast or on the site or anything like that, but I, I feel like we should mention... Romero because at least for me he was such a phenomenal director and he created some some of my favorite movies I mean Dawn of the Dead I still have that deluxe edition that has like all the different versions like the UK version the US version the director's cut all of those and even though it's on DVD it's one of the few DVDs I kept in fact I kept when I switched to Blu-ray and I was getting rid of all my DVDs I kept all my George Romero DVDs. Those are the only ones that I kept. I kept all the Ramiro's and I have those uh, Book of the Dead editions of Evil Dead 1 and 2, the ones that are like the rubber uh, Necronomicon ones. I kept those mm-hmm. and that's it. Anyway, he did uh, The Crazies, the original one, which was a pretty pretty awesome movie. But I think the, one of the big things about Ramiro the, that should be mentioned is the fact that Night of the Living Dead, not only was it such a hugely influential movie when it was released in 1968, but it was, it broke a lot of uh, boundaries, like color boundaries that we had back then. I mean, we had uh, a black male lead in a movie that came out in 1968 and, it, and the movie was very clearly about racism and the state of race in, in America. And I think that that was one of the things that just was so important about his work. Yeah, I think I've only seen, maybe that was the only one I've seen this. It's the original, Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead is still my personal favorite just because uh, it, it took place in a mall and it oh. was about consumerism. Yeah. And I loved everything about Dawn of the Dead, I thought was just so okay, amazing. I, had, that I, would... did, I did see Dawn of the Dead then. Because I do remember the, the, the shopping mall. Yeah, so, just amazing. That, that was a good one. And of course, uh, like the crazies, which came out in 1973, was about the environment and pollution and what we're doing to the environment. So, I mean, I feel like he all, most of his movies had uh, a message, a, a social commentary behind them. And I thought that, that that was one of the most endearing qualities about his movies. A lot of the... A lot of- of the Deads, Dawn of the Dead, Day mm-hmm. of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead. Yep. Night of the Living Dead. I, I thought I thought all of them were good except 
maybe the last two. Diary of the Dead was the one that was a found footage movie, and it was a it was a good concept. But when it was released, it just came out at the wrong time. I feel like maybe if he released that movie, um, maybe two or three years earlier, it would have been a lot. Uh, it would have been more well received mm-hmm. because when that was released, it was when we were getting a lot of found footage stuff. And a lot of the stuff that was in Diary of the Dead didn't, wasn't really anything new or, or interesting, but eh, it was still decent. I don't think it was a bad movie. Survival, I thought was not, not good, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. I would, I would suggest checking out some of his other movies not just the the zombie movies like the crazies was great i mean it's sort of a zombie movie but but not really it's a little, little different but um taking a look here i have a, i've always wanted to see monkey shines yeah i was just going to mention monkey shines is really awesome it's about a a guy in a wheelchair who gets a helper monkey and the helper monkey is evil <laughs> so uh, Brian has to watch that yeah, definitely, definitely check out Monkey Shines if you haven't, because that that movie is pretty awesome. I saw that movie on FearNet back when FearNet was a thing. They had that. So season, yeah, season of the witch sounds pretty good. Bored, unha- unhappy suburban housewife gets mixed up in witchcraft and murder. Yeah, I never saw that one. That sounds pretty. Great. Never saw that one. That does sound pretty awesome. For a while, it was my goal to see. All of his movies. He he didn't direct that many movies. I do, yeah, uh, he, I gotta say that when I clicked on here, I, I I thought for sure he directed more movies than that. Yeah, he did Bruiser, which uh, I I feel like I saw Bruiser, but I don't remember much about it. That came out in two thousand. After years of being tread upon and cheated on, a man awakens to find his face has been replaced by a blank white mask. <laughs> Sounds interesting. <laughs> All right. I, I always kind of liken him to John Carpenter, where all of his movies have kind of a really interesting hook to them. Yeah. Yeah, just, it doesn't and if, seem like we have that nowadays. No, we don't. We don't. I mean, we do, we do, but it's the fact that there's so many uh, directors and movies that are being released all the time. A lot of times, these types of things get lost in the shuffle. But Creepshow also, I would I recommend checking out Creepshow. He directed Creepshow, which was a really great horror anthology movie with like Leslie Nielsen was in that and Hal Holbrook. A couple of the segments were some some were better than others, but for the most part, that was oh a fun one. God, I'm learning so many things. I just clicked on Night Riders. It sounds fucking unbelievable. Ed Harris, Top Savini. Medieval reenactment troop finding it increasingly difficult to keep their family-like group together with pressure from local law enforcement, interest from entertainment agents, and a growing sense of delusion from their leader. That sounds <laughs> like the greatest movie ever. See, doesn't that sound just completely unique? Like, there's just not anything like that. No, there's not. Oh my god, Night Riders. I need to see Night Riders now. I would encourage everyone listening to check out a Ramiro directed movie this week that's not one of the dead movies. Check check out one of one of his other ones. Night Riders. See if see if you dig it. Let's Night Riders. Yeah, check out Night Night Riders. 
let us know what you think in the on the comments of this uh, of this episode, or you can send us an email podcast at filmpulse.net. Let us know what you think. Let's talk about the New York Asian Film Festival. So as I said, this just wrapped up long festival about ten days. I want to say um, took place here in New York. Tons of movies. I I don't even know what the final total was. There was like sixty or something like that. Hundreds. Uh, a lot of a lot of really like, solid things. It seemed like hundreds. There were a lot of movies. Um, with this one, it's interesting because almost every uh, country in Asia is represented. So you have uh, there's a solid amount of Chinese films. Then they break that off into Hong Kong cinema. You got Japanese cinema in there. Uh, South Korea had a pretty good representation there. And then there was a Southeast Asia section that had um, some Vietnamese movies, uh, movies from the Philippines, Malaysia. Um, and then you had your Taiwanese films in there as well. So it was a really eclectic a mix of movies from, from all around Asia. Interestingly, no Indian movies, but I think, yeah, I don't know what that, why they didn't. I guess that's just not part of it. No Indian or Sri Lankan movies, or I guess Russia. No Russian movies. No. I, I think that, yeah, I guess they just stick with East Asia. So I saw how, maybe 12 movies. Lord have at, mercy. At the festival. Yeah, I think I think I saw 12. And you were able to work at the same time? Sure. Damn. Yeah. Try to get one or two done a night. Wow. And I wrote a whole bunch of... I got a bunch of reviews up on the site as well for, for a lot of what I saw. Not everything, but I figure I'll mention some of the highlights wow. this episode for ones that I didn't write reviews for. Good Lord. Hit How many did you see? Three? Yeah. I, and you're like <laughs> one or two a night. One or two a night. Well, you had a, you had a pretty... You had a pretty full schedule this week with other stuff anyway. So I'm glad that you you're kind of like doing that pat on the back thing. Like it's not too bad. Like <laughs> good effort. <laughs> good effort. Three. Good effort. You wrote one review. Good effort. <laughs> oh God. Well, since uh, since you only saw a few, I think I'll just talk about. Uh, I think I'll start it off, and then we'll kind of just go back and forth because actually. This is one of the few festivals where we didn't have any overlap. Like you didn't see anything that I yeah. that I also saw. So it's we have sort of a mix here. Um, I think I'll start off with some of the highlights, some of the some of the better movies that I saw there. Uh, the first one being Happiness, which was the new one of the new movies from Sabu. It's a Japanese film. Uh, I saw Mr. Long at Tribeca this year. And then at this one, I think Mr. Long is actually, he made that after Happiness, but I'm not really sure what the timeline is on that. This is the director that did Monday, Postman Blues, and um, uh, what was the Unlucky Monkey? Yeah. This, the, this is a guy we talked about before, and I, I'm pretty sure I talked about Mr. Long on my Tribeca wrap-up. Uh, so Happiness... Uh, is about this guy who invents a helmet that is capable of making you recall your happiest memory. And what he does is he goes to this small village that has a lot of elderly people. And it's kind of this downtrodden village. Like people are just, 
they're not in a good way in this village. Everybody's kind of depressed. Nobody's happy. So he throws this helmet on people, starts pressing the button. Really cool looking helmet too. Starts pressing these buttons, makes everybody happy. And he sort of turns into a celebrity. Everybody loves him. Everybody wants to use this helmet and relive their, their happiest moments in life. However, there is, there are some ulterior motives going on here that this guy has for And there's a specific reason for him to be in this town. I'm not going to say what it is, but I, I noticed there's a, there's a big trend in a lot of Asian films where there's that, that twist that like earth earth shattering twist that occurs. And so many movies have it. Like almost every single one of these movies I saw has like this giant crazy twist towards the end. And this is definitely one of them. Uh, but it was really good. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely. This was one of the best movies I saw at the festival. Oh, so, Kevin, you need to definitely add this to your watch list. I don't think it was the best movie, actually. I think the best movie I saw at the festival was Destruction Babies. Well, I was going to say, I mean, there was, there was 175 movies at this festival, and you saw 13, so don't want to put you on the spot. So I don't know if you actually saw the best movie. No, I'm saying it was the best one I saw. Yeah. I'm not saying it was like objectively, this is the best one that screened there. No, there was a whole bunch. I mean, there was a lot on my list that I wanted to see that I just didn't have time for. There was a lot so, of movies in this festival. And, and the thing is like, I remember when the, when the um, list first came out of the movies that were screening I was like, holy crap, like, I want to see that, I want to see that, I want to see that. Like, it was a really strong lineup. Yeah. And so there were, there, I mean, yeah, I missed a, a whole bunch that I wanted to see that just didn't get a chance to. But uh, Destruction Babies was definitely up there for me. This is a Japanese film directed by Tetsuya Mariko. The, the, the reason I like this so much is because it was definitely, it was definitely different. I was... Unlike any of the other movies at the festival, basically the premise of this movie, and first of all, it's, it looks awesome. It's all done in handheld, very gritty looking. The whole movie is this guy who at the, at the opening scene, he gets jumped by a bunch of gang members mm -hmm. and he decides he's had enough and he just goes into town and fights every single person he sees on the street. And that's the movie. Just this dude. You don't know why he's doing it. There's, there's like, they sort of get into it a real, like a little bit at the end, but you're still really not sure why. It is 108 minutes of this guy just picking fights and fighting people. That's what it is. And boy, it it works, man. It works. Like it's he starts like uh, getting followers. Like people start. Because everybody's recording him, you know. Yeah. One of the things that this movie is sort of a commentary on social media and the world that we live in now, which I could have done without, but it kind of makes sense though. If someone right you start doing that now in real life, you would gain followers, and they would just you know kind of follow you around and record you as you fight random people on the street. Yeah. You should check this one out too. I think you would like this one. He gets this one guy that starts tagging along and, and he starts influencing this, this guy that's following him. And I mean, he's not trying it, but it's just, it's happening 
naturally. And this guy starts feeling more confident about sort of uh, letting out his carnal urges. So he starts beating up women on the street and saying like terrible things and doing terrible things. And normally, like before he started following this guy, he was this kind of timid, reserved guy who's kind of picked on. Nobody really liked him. He was sort of a dork. And this guy gave him the confidence to really let out these kind of dark urges mm-hmm. and lash out at, you know, he's he was feeling marginalized by women because he's always trying to, to get with these women and he's getting rejected because he's such a douchebag. <laughs> So he starts lashing out against them. So it's just, there's a lot. It's just the internet in real life. Yeah. So there's a lot of really interesting things happening in this movie. And the it's so brutal. I mean, it's a very violent movie, but not violent as in there's like limbs getting chopped off and blood everywhere. It's violent in that the, the fights look incredibly real. They're, these are like street brawls. And there are certain times where you're just like, is this, is it really is this a real fight that's happening? Did he actually pick a fight with a guy walking down the street? Because it just looks and sounds so real. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> so uh, I would recommend destruction babies. What is one that you saw at the festival? One, maybe, maybe the best one of the three, the three movies that you saw there. Uh, unfortunately, my best one is not that great. It seems like you had a really great time with, uh, the New York Asian Film Festival. And if I was able to get time around to it, maybe I would experience what you experienced. But the best film that I saw was um, Town in a Lake. This is directed by Jet Leco. Now, the thing I didn't know about this going in is apparently this came out in like 2015 and has been playing festivals for an extremely long time. I guess for the last two years. Hmm. Um, but... It is, there is, the film starts out with a, a, like a violent crime of a sexual nature, right? And from then on out, it's just kind of this small town is trying to deal with this, with this crime, trying to figure out who the perpetrators were. And it was, the, the victims were two young women. And there's one guy within the, He's like a local fisherman or whatever, and he he witnessed the crime. And there's all this talk of like, you know, someone needs to come out, then someone needs to come forward, someone had to see this, they need to do the right thing. And he's just he's really trepidatious and he just doesn't want to do it. The the actual crime itself is is handled quite well within the way that they shoot it. It's this kind of like they kind of shoot it in this extremely extremely dark and you're not a hundred percent sure what's going on because the camera just kind of like lingers back as to what's happening. So you're never quite sure what actually happens when it comes to the crime. And then from there on out, like the, like the, everything that kind of happens after that is it kind of gets slightly supernatural where there's this, there's this presence within the community that shows up and kind of, um, kind of exemplifies like the darkness of this community and everything like it's corruptness it it works for the most part i mean it's 88 minutes long but it still feels like they drag on a bit too much because they just kind of like 
keep reiterating the same thing over and over, they don't really build on anything. So it does kind of drag out. Um, so for, I mean, like a decent amount of it, it works. But if they could have just built upon it a little bit more, I think it would have worked a lot better. Mm. It just it grows a little bit stale. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, where it's yeah. that thing where it's just kind of like reiterating itself and it's like, okay, I, I kind of get it. And then just where it eventually ends up, you're like, yep, got it. Yeah, I figured that out like 30 minutes ago. Yeah, this was on my list, but I, unfortunately I didn't get to see it. I, I was interested in it. It sounded, sounded kind of weird. It's, so it's, it, kinda... it's got some nice cinematography in there, and it does get a little bit weird, but once once the first bit of weirdness shows up, you're kind of like, there's a part of you that's kind of like craving more, and it shows up a little bit more throughout, but it's kind of like the same thing over and over again, weirdness-wise, right? So you're just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, it's not really that weird anymore. Okay. And that's the town in the lake? Town town in a lake. The town in a lake. Yeah. Looking at my list here, I saw a whole lot of kind of thrillers and procedurals. It wasn't my intention to, to see all of them, but I, seems like looking this. back, I saw a whole lot of these. It seems like Asian uh, films are kind of big on that, though. They are. But the, but the there's a good reason. I mean, they're they're all really good. I mean, some of the best ones that I saw at the at this festival were kind of thrillers or procedurals. Uh, one of them being a movie called The Truth Beneath. This is directed by Lee Kyung Mi. This is a South Korean movie. This is actually co-written by Park Chan Wook. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a sort of a procedural. It's a thriller about this couple who the husband is running for office. So it's set against the backdrop of this really big political campaign that's that's underway. And sort of on the eve of the election, their daughter goes missing. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the campaign is like, we need to kind of keep this on the hush-hush because we don't want it to affect the outcome of the election. We don't want people to think that he's like a bad father, that he would let his daughter go missing or whatever but after a couple days they decide to make it public and in in the meantime the mom she starts doing her own investigating so she's interviewing she's talking to her teachers her friends uh everybody around town trying to figure out what happened to her daughter and it's sort of like i was trying to remember the name There, there was another movie that came out you saw it too, I think. It was a, I think it was a Japanese film, but it was about a guy searching for his missing daughter, and he sort of uncovered the 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 secret life that his daughter had. Do you remember that? I think it was something Noriko, maybe. That sounds familiar. Anyway, what happens is the mom starts to uncover all of these secret truths or these secrets. Um, behind like what what her daughter was doing, and there's lots of really interesting twists in this, and I definitely recommend this one. This was probably one of the another one of the highlights for me at the uh, at the festival. It's again called The Truth Beneath, so check that out. Another one. This is yet another procedural. I have a, actually like three more procedurals <laughs> that I saw that were pretty good. This is called Ordinary Person. 
And it takes place in South Korea in the 80s, 1987. And it starts with this detective investigating the first serial killer case in South Korea. But as he starts to investigate more, and he sort of teams up with his best friend who is a journalist for a really big newspaper in Seoul, they uncover that there's a lot more going on here than than just uh, a serial killer case. They find out that there's a lot of corruption happening here. And basically, the the South Korea's equivalent of the CIA, they're the, I can't remember what they're called there, like the information agency or intelligence agency or something like that. They're perpetuating, perpetuating this giant cover-up and they're fabricating evidence and they're fabricating suspects and all of this stuff. And... As he's uncovering it, he realizes that like his best friend's in danger, he's in danger, his family's in danger, and all of this really, really awful, all of these awful things start to happen around him as he's sort of forced into being complicit with this uh, government agency's um, wrongdoings. Mm. And it's awesome. Definitely worth checking that one out, too. Again, lots of twists a lot of crazy stuff happening in that one what about you what's another one you got i have one this is not good um i actually hated this just straight up it's called dawn of the felines um going into it very intrigued uh and quickly was quickly disappointed uh i did find out afterwards that this is kind of like a, a pinko homage which you know, I don't know if this has something to do with it, but I don't really know anything about Pinko films. Um, if this is any indication, Dawn of the Felines, I don't like Pinko movies and I don't want to see any of them because this was just, this was awful. This is three women um, that are working for this agency. It's kind of like an escort agency. And obviously they go and sleep with guys. Um the first thing that kind of threw me off or made me kind of actively dislike the film was there would be the woman would be interacting with their client, right? And it would be close up of them talking, kissing, whatever. And then when it, the woman would, of course, take her top off or take her clothes off, like the camera would go out of its way to be like breasts. And it's just like, well, that <laughs> seems kind of breast yeah it's just like that kind of seems juvenile immature and it's just like it did it again and i'm like okay like couldn't you figure out a better way to do this like instead of going like it's like the camera like gets distracted it's like oh i have to go over here now so there's that and then like there's them working for their agency obviously going to meet their clients and these three women, even when it becomes, when they're trying to kind of create their own life outside of the agency, trying to go out of their way, trying to find love or whatever, like it goes, it extends no further than their clients already. So they essentially just end up back within the agency. Like the one woman, she's only, you only see her with one client. And then she falls in love. And who does she fall in love with? That one client. So she's 
unable to get out of there. Then there's another woman who's spending time with this old guy, right? And he doesn't want to do anything sexual, except that he tries to kill her. And then immediately after he fails at killing her, she's like, oh, it's okay. I forgive you. (laughs) And then he forces her to strangle him, which, of course, gives him a hard-on, which she fucking loves, apparently. And then she gets to live her best life, I guess. I don't know. It's just fucking bizarre. (laughs) She gets to live her best life. (laughs) She's, like, super excited about it. She's just like, this is the best day ever. And she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? And then there's another woman who you're told, like, for whatever reason, they put in the fact that she has a kid and she has to drop off this kid while she goes and do, does her, you know, escorting. So while her kid is spending time with this, like, you don't even know who this guy is that's babysitting her kid. He has bruises and shit all over him. So you're led to believe that she's abusing her child. And you're just like, wow, where's this going to go? And it just ends up going nowhere where, in a sense, they're just like, hey, it's fine. She abuses her kid. Big deal. Get over it. And, of course, she falls in love with her client, too, who's, like, some huge pervert that, like, sexually abuses her. So it's just, it's like, at a certain extent, you know, at a certain point in time, you're just like, what the fuck is the point of this? Why am I watching this? Well, it's interesting because it, when I first read about it, it seemed like it was sort of like a women empowerment that's, film. But what you're telling me sounds <laughs> quite the opposite. Exactly, And that's what I thought, too. And the film starts out with this, like, you know, in my review, I kind of point out that it starts out with this, like, dedication where it's like to all the felines out there. And I was like, at first, I'm like, OK, is that like a. Is that like a euphemism thing? Like, uh, this is for the females? And, you know, it starts and it's three females and they're working in an escorting agency. And you're like, okay. But the the further along it goes, you're just like, this is not empowering at all. This is just, this is terrible. I don't understand what's happening. What is the point of this? What are you trying to say? Yeah, this, uh, I don't know if this is going to work for me. I was going to check this one out. This was on my list too. But it seemed like you, it seemed when you said, when I saw your review come up, I was like, nah. Well, that was the thing too. I'm like, okay, I, maybe there's a part of me that just completely misses the point when it comes to Pinko films. But if this is what Pinko films are about, no thanks. Like I can just write that genre off completely. Mm, I mean, I, I've have limited experience in those types of movies, but in the few that I've seen, they're not, well, I, mean, I guess they, they sort of are like that now that I think about it. Well, there's this also thing too, where it's like, not only do they show their breasts and everything, but like the guys, I don't, I don't know if this is a pinko thing where like the, the sound effects of them suckling on nipples, it's just <laughs> exaggerated too. And like, good Lord. Loud Jeez. nipple suckling. Oh God, it's awful. One out of ten. Loud nipple suckling. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's uh, Dawn of the Felines. Skip that one. I saw a procedural called Traces of Sin. This is uh, directed by uh, Ki Ishikawa. This one's this one's pretty interesting. It's about a journalist who is working on this one-year-old murder case 
where an entire family was killed and he sort of decides that he wants to figure out who did this. So he starts uh, interviewing the family, friends of the family, uh, co-workers, neighbors, all of that stuff, trying to figure out who could have killed this family. And all the while he's, he's doing this to sort of, at least at the beginning, you think he's doing this to sort of get his mind off of the fact that his sister was recently incarcerated for neglecting her daughter. Um, it turned out that her daughter ended up needing to be hospitalized because she was so malnourished. They said that she had the, she was the size of a, like a four year old when she was actually like eight or something like that. So she's very, yeah, she's very sick and they threw the mom in jail. And it seems like you're working with two different storylines here. He's grappling with the fact that his sister was, is in jail and is facing up a, a really lengthy prison sentence. And his niece is in the hospital. She's basically in a coma because of this. And he's trying to work as much as he can to figure out who, who um, could have killed this family. What, the movie itself is a little, it's a little confusing at first. Um, a lot of these non-linear Asian films sometimes cause confusion for me at the beginning because I have a hard time differentiating between characters and I don't know if something's like a flashback or not. I think that there's just, uh, there's certain things that get lost in translation when it comes to that. However, in this movie, it does pretty quickly become clear that a lot of what you're seeing is flashback. So as he's interviewing different people, it'll cut to uh, their time with the victims. And as he learns more about what their past, the, 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 um, the sort of troubled past that these uh, victims had, he realizes that there are threads that are starting to intertwine between his life and the, the lives of the victims and, and those that went to school and, and worked with the victims. So the two plot lines start to come together mm. in a really interesting way. Uh, you can, you can piece this one together pretty quickly. This is, this is one that you can sort of see the twist, but it's one sort of like another one that I'm going to talk about next they add additional twists on it. So like, you know, the director's like, Oh, you think you got it figured out? Well, how about this? Oh, and you're just like, Whoa, watch out. Yeah. So traces of sin, definitely worth a look. Uh, I would, I would uh, recommend that one. Another one that I saw, this is also a thriller procedural <laughs> called, <laughs> called battle of memories. Is this is directed by Lest Chen. Yeah. This is sort of a sci-fi procedural where yes. this guy who is a, a famous author, he's mm -hmm. getting a divorce and he goes to this clinic where they have a, a surgery that you can do where you remove memories. So it's basically like eternal sunshine in the spotless yeah, mind. I was just going to say, that's what it sounds like but, so far. So he gets home after having this procedure done and his, and his soon-to-be ex-wife is like, I'm not going to sign the divorce papers until you get those memories put back in your head. Oh, 
So he's like, well, fine, whatever. So he goes back and he's like, I need the memories put back in. And so they're like, okay, we'll put them back in. It takes 72 hours for them to, to fully form. So in the meantime, you're going to get flashes of the memories as they slowly start to come back. So does he get the wrong he, memories? He gets the wrong memories. Oh, it, turn, it's, it turns serial out serial killer. It, it turns out that the memories that he has are of a serial killer. Oh God. So he goes to the police and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, I had this procedure done. The memories that they put in my head, I'm pretty sure the person <laughs> is killing people. And as it turns out, like they were there, the police were already investigating these murders and they had some of the files and he sees him laying on the desk and he's like, that's, I saw that person die. Like I saw them in my head. So he starts working with the police to try to find the killer and memories are slowly coming back to him. He's getting more details. He's uh, trying to notice different things. And one of the cool things that it does is it, it sort of plays with dream logic at one point where he starts noticing the, like they tell him to dream about the memories. So he's like in a dream within a dream or mm -hmm. a dream within a memory. Yeah. So he, so during those, there's only one sequence. I wish they did that more, but there was one sequence and it was kind of like, a little surreal like there were like fish floating in the sky and it it all looks very cool like all of the memory sequences uh were shot in black and white so they looked they looked really cool i liked what they did with that and it's just a really cool concept the other thing that they mess with or the other idea that they mess with in it is the fact that because memories of a serial killer were implanted in his brain mm -hmm. they're afraid that he his personality is going to be fundamentally changed because of that. So they, they think they're worried that he's going to become a serial killer. Like that these memories are going to start yeah. influencing him, which makes kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but they, unfortunately they don't do a whole lot with that concept either, even though I think that's, that's one of the most interesting I was gonna say that at this things. Thing, really interesting movie. Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. So battle of memories is the name of it. It's, it's cool. Cool. Does his actual old memories battle the new memories at one point in time? Um, say yes. Not really. I mean, I, I I think it's safe to say that he eventually finds the person that has his memories. So he's battling that person. Mm. I, would like, I, would, I would like to actually see memories battling each other. I'm not sure how that would work. I don't either. But that's, that's kind of the thing is that you could just, you can do whatever you want, really. You can. You can dreamscape that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no, you can't, there's not going to be one person that's going to go, that's not how it works because it's not real. Right. What was the other one that you saw? Uh, the other one I saw is Japanese Girls Never Die. I am now seeing on IMDb. This is also called Haruko Asumi is Missing. I guess that's the other title of it because on IMDb, that's the actual title, not Japanese Girls Never Die. Hmm. <clears throat> this is kind of like the that film that you were talking about where they do they kind of do at the beginning of this movie where they do this like kind of like flashback and then present time and then flashback and it's really like the first i want to say like 20 minutes is really confusing yeah uh so i i did start watching this one but 
it's really confusing, right? Yeah, and I I I'm here, right? Yeah, I struggled with it. Like I, I actually had to turn it off because at the time I was like really distracted and I was like, I need to this is one that I clearly need to focus for and I can't focus right now. So I actually had to turn it off. And I even like I hunkered down. Cause even like in the first five minutes, I'm like, oh shit, you gotta because you're right. I'm with the, you know, I kind of realized like you really had to pay attention to what's going on. So after five minutes of this, I'm like, okay. I'm hunkered in, I'm paying attention 100%, and I still was left a little bit confused. Hmm. It still was very bizarre to me. Um, it's it's weird because it's kind of like this, it's this like two-pronged movie where there is this class that has graduated and they're, they're, they're approaching 30 years old, right? So some of the women are desperately trying to find husbands some are not interested whatsoever and then at the same time there is a gang of young women who are just on the streets just attacking guys so there's this weird like action movie type sequence where there's just these young schoolgirls that are just attacking lonesome men and just kicking the shit out of them on the streets and then there's this like drama of these like people pushing 30 trying to find significant others and it's it's confusing it's slightly interesting at the same time i don't know if it 100 percent works but it works enough that it keeps you kind of interested intrigued throughout but i don't know it 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 seems like it if you could have tightened it up a little bit could have been a little bit more clear with it i think it would have worked a little bit better because mm. it's, it's a little bit messy it comes yeah. re- it comes really close to working out okay and that's japanese girls never die i'll end it off with two movies that i was uh, a little disappointed with these are probably my least favorite of what i saw at the festival aside from the ones that i was just kind of like meh about those, mm-hmm. those would include Blood of Youth and Extraordinary Mission. Extraordinary Mission is uh, an action movie, and Blood of Youth is, again, a thriller. Procedural? About, yeah, well, not, a, <laughs> not really a procedural. That was just more of a straight-up thriller. It's about computer, a computer hacker that's playing this dangerous game with police and criminals. Like, he'll, he'll, tell, like the, he'll find out about a bank robbery, and he'll tell the cops that this bank robbery is about to happen. And then he tips off the criminals. Mm. So he's like playing this, this kind of cat and mouse game with these cops and robbers. And it's like, it's, it's fine. It's not great. It's pretty middle of the road. Um, th- my two least favorite movies at the festival, they were, I would say that they're both also middle of the road. They weren't bad per se. I just didn't, find anything particularly interesting about them. And the first was Zombiology, Enjoy Yourself Tonight. Uh, Now, right off the bat, I was like, okay, this is an amazing title. Zombiology, colon, Enjoy Yourself Tonight. Sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah, I just love it. Now, the whole zombie movie thing, I'm, I'm sort of done with that. And this movie really didn't do it for me as far as the zombie shtick. The whole the whole kind of thing was like, oh, they have cool weapons. Like, oh, they're messing with. They have 
interesting, unique weapons that they're fighting the zombies with. Like the one girl's using this like hula hoop thing, and then one dude has a uh, a flying guillotine to kill zombies, and they have like this buzzsaw thing, and it's like it's really not enough to make it anything more than a really average zombie comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Basically, it's just about a group of friends, zombies start coming out of the woodwork and they got to work together to kill them. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing, the kind of really weird thing is that in the opening sequence of the movie, there is a giant alien chicken who opens his mouth and this kind of like screaming soul mm-hmm. comes out of its mouth and mm-hmm possesses a person and that's the first zombie and then this chicken goes around the city laying eggs yeah that have the ability to become projectiles and when they hit you your head instantly it like gets burned away so it's just a burnt skull left so and it, <laughs> so <laughs> that's the hook of this that's the most unique thing about this movie is so weird and it gets even weirder later. Like, cause eventually the main character, <laughs> it gets weird. It gets weirder than a giant chicken. Yeah. Laying eggs that are used as projectiles that burn your head. Yeah. So eventually the, the main character confronts this chicken. He has a showdown with this chicken and where it goes from there. It's, baffling and i have a theory about it if you read my review i have my reviews up on the site i have a theory behind what it means uh it slightly spoils the end of the movie but it's not really a big thing it's not like a it's not a big deal um but if my theory is correct then the movie has a lot more going for it than what is on the surface but other than that it's a pretty typical zombie movie. I don't know. Now this is, it's adapted from, so it was originally, there was a short film and I think it was also a comic book or a manga or maybe even a novel that was originally made about this. I think it was a novel. So I, I didn't read those or see the short film. So I don't know. Maybe they get into the whole, what the alien chicken thing is all about. Portions of this are animated too. There's two animated sequences uh, that that were pretty well done, but they didn't work for me and that I felt like they just weren't that interesting. Like they kind of broke up the pace of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that I saw that wasn't great was called Vampire Cleanup Department. This, this is, it, it lays the groundwork for what I think could be an interesting series of movies. But this one, the first one, just doesn't amount to much. Basically, it's about this kid who feels kind of lost in the world. He has no prospects. He's lonely. He doesn't have a girlfriend. And his parents passed away. He's living with his grandmother. He's going down the street one day, gets bitten by a vampire. Mm. That vampire attacks him, bites him. And he wakes up. And there's these, uh, I think, two... Uh, street cleaner guys who saved him, these street sweeper guys. And they tell him, basically, you've just been bitten by by a vampire. However, you're not turning, so it seems like you're immune. 
And he finds out that there's this secret government organization that their job is to kill vampires and clean up after vampires. And he finds out that his parents were members of the, the organization and were killed while on the job. So he decides that he wants to become one of these people as well. They recruit him in. And a lot of the movies, just this kind of long, like just training montages. And eventually he goes out on his first job and this, he falls into this lake where there's, there's like a vampire in the lake and it kisses him for some reason. And then for some reason it, the kiss turns the vampire from this kind of old rotting corpse into a young, beautiful woman. And Mm -hmm. he takes the woman in and sort of teaches her how to be a human. Mm -hmm. She doesn't talk and she like hops around. Like she doesn't walk. She hops and her, she like has her arms extended as she hops around as well. Very odd. Basically, it's a lot of this movie is paying homage to old vampire comedies uh, from like the 80s and, and before, but doesn't really work. It's not that interesting. It's kind of, I mean, some parts are kind of funny, but for the most part, the gags are, they feel a little juvenile. Like they're not that, they don't really land. So yeah, I can't really recommend vampire cleanup department i feel like if they make a sequel then there might be something there it has a little bit of a ghostbusters vibe too i was gonna say even when like when you first started talking about this just from the title alone it's like there's a good idea there yeah like i I think if they make a sequel that it'll be now that the characters have been defined this world's been defined i think like they could focus more on a plot and i think that that'll benefit this this is actually two first-time directors that directed this as well so maybe they'll have a little bit more experience under their belt going into another one if if they do a sequel i don't know if this was well received in in hong kong or what but so anyway that is the new york asian film festival had a good time with it tons of movies but Check out all the reviews we have up on the site. There's a couple more that are going to be trickling out uh, this week. Uh, They're probably up by now, but um, yeah, stay tuned for that. Japan Cuts is next. There's another big Asian film festival coming out Mm -hmm. here in New York. I don't know if we'll be covering that or not just yet, but not a lot of people cover Asian movies, uh, at least here in the States. And there aren't a whole lot of... Asian movies that play at normal festivals. So if you like coverage of, of Asian movies, be sure to let us know, comment, email, all that stuff. Send us a tweet. Cause I'd, I'd be curious to know if there's interest in this. Cause I'm a big fan of Asian cinema. I just don't know if that many other people are into it or what. I imagine so. Yeah. Uh, did you see anything else this week? Um, I saw, a a documentary that's been on my list for a long time. It's called The Exiles from 1961. So this is about a uh, like a small group of Native Americans that are living in like around the Los Angeles area, right? Back in the 60s, early 60s. And so it kind of just like follows them around and their life and everything. Um, it's It's interesting because on 
one hand, it has some of the best use of voiceover I've ever seen. So there, there will just be a character where they're kind of like, it's just documentary footage of them going through their life. And there's just this voiceover of them talking about their life and everything that's going on and their trials and tribulations and stuff. And it works really, really well. And then on the other side of this is there is these interactions of like, you know, it's, it's essentially like one night in their life. And so they're out at a bar or whatever, and they're kind of interacting with people. And it seems slightly staged, even though it's kind of come, it kind of comes across as like, it's just really natural. Like they're just capturing them. And well, I read here that it is staged. They use oh, non-professional. Yeah, they use non-professional actors and had them do okay reenactments. Like they, okay. they scripted. There's the events are scripted. Okay, the scripted stuff is terrible. It's awful. Like there's <laughs> there's a number. There's like one where this guy's just trying to. Uh, I guess he's just trying to like hit on a girl or get this girl's attention, and he just repeats the same thing over. And over and over mm-hmm. and over mm-hmm. and over again. And it's just, it's really annoying. The voiceover stuff, which, you know, is it's emotional, it's raw. That stuff really works well. Um, the, the imagery, the cinematography is great. There's a certain section where they kind of, they leave a bar and they hop in their um, convertible and they're going to this other place and they're driving through this tunnel. And it's the middle of the night the lighting's perfect. They're smoking cigarettes. So you have like the embers from the cigarette, like flashing in the background, their hair's blown in the wind. And it just, it looks incredible. And it's just like a really nice, you know, like snapshot of this certain point in time of American history. That's not typical American history, you know, where it's these, it's this group of native Americans trying to make it in California in 1961 it's just it's really interesting the stage (laughs) stuff it's a little rough but everything else definitely makes up for it though okay and that's the exiles from 1961 i saw war for the planet of the apes just got back from the cinema a little bit ago uh as i said as i said before (laughs) i initially wasn't super thrilled about seeing this one i didn't didn't care much i was just like yeah i'll go see it whatever but uh i i'm surprised i'm i'm surprised i feel like a movie called planet of the apes has no right to be as good as it is (laughs) i mean this movie is really good i'll say that it is surprising out of the three new planet of the apes movies i think this is probably my favorite of the bunch it goes to some places that i didn't expect that i really latched onto and really appreciated the the motion capture is better than ever i mean it is i felt like when they were shooting this they were like they knew how good the animation was going to be so they were like let's pull in real close so there's like all kinds of really tight angles and close-ups on these apes and it just looks so incredible so impressive uh but the the story is a fitting finale it feels like a really good finale for this this new trilogy 
and the action sequences are pretty epic. However, it's not necessarily what I expected. I expected it to be basically a war movie, and in some, in some, in a certain sense, it is. But it's more like The Great Escape than uh, Apocalypse Now. So what they don't tell you in the trailer, I don't think this is a spoiler or anything, but a large portion of the movie is like a a prison escape. Like they're in a prison camp and they have to escape. So that's like a big part of the movie and it's really good. I mean, surprisingly good, Hmm. but yeah, I had a, I thought it was, was, uh, was pretty incredible. So definitely recommend war for the planet of the apes. See it on the big screen. It is, it is, absolutely worth uh seeing this in the theater because it's it's pretty great check that out then i'm gonna gonna end up seeing this whole series apparently it's good it's a it is a good trilogy i mean you'll i think you'll struggle with the first one just because james franco's in it and i know you hate franco yeah can i just skip the first one um like is it really important i mean they they recap what happens previously like in this one they they recapped what happened in the first two but it was just like simple text on screen so it was just giving you the really broad strokes if you want to really know what's going on it's probably best to see all three of them right. but yeah they do they do, they do some really interesting things in this one god yeah. damn it add another fucking trilogy to my list of things to catch up on there you go you know what I mean there's so many mm-hmm. goddamn yeah it's it's overwhelming the amount of movies in the world and i just also noticed i remember reading a text or not text one of your tweets saying about how people say you know what i mean i think that i've already done that like two or three times this episode maybe was that a subtweet no i said no that's that was me i said that i knew but was it about me no no it wasn't about you it was about it was about somebody specific but it wasn't about you there, <laughs> I've done it a couple times. So it just, just drives me. That. It, I just it, realized that now. It only happens sometimes. It, it only sometimes bothers me. A lot of times when I'm having a conversation with somebody and it's like a just a back and forth, like like this, for instance. Like I say, you know what I mean too. But when we're having a quick back and forth conversation, talking about something, it feel it doesn't seem as egregious or annoying but a lot of times i'll be having a conversation with somebody and they'll end they'll be like telling me something and then they'll be like you know what i mean and it feels like yeah i know what you mean obviously you know that i know what you mean or you know what i mean i think i think it's one of those things where it's it's less egregious if it's between friends maybe that's what it is you know what i mean it's kind of like see where it's (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of, I didn't even try that. Well, wow. it, it's also funny because it makes you think about how much you actually say. Yeah, and that's why, like every, and I don't even, like, I don't, I'm not conscious of it until after I say it, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I just did it. I don't think you say it any more than anybody else. A lot of people say it. It's definitely one of those things, like saying like or um. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. I don't think you do it any more than anybody else. Anyway. I think it's just kind of like shorthand. Right. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean, right? I don't have yes. to keep talking. <laughs> yes. Like, please, please, please keep me from, from talking. 
Let's talk about some new releases. Next week, Dunkirk is the big one. Oh, new man. Christopher Nolan. Which, I don't know if you've heard this, but apparently you need to see this in 70 millimeter. I am going to see it screen. I am going to see it in 70 millimeter on the big screen. That's the only thing I've seen about this movie. It's just like, you have to see it on the big screen. Or you have to see it on 70 millimeter. And it's like, you know how much that would cost for me to do that? (laughs) You'd have to drive like three hours. The closest closest 70 millimeter screen to you is probably in New York. It is New York. It is New York. So, number one, I wouldn't... I wouldn't drive there. I would take the train. So I'd be paying for two train tickets, right? And then I would be paying for the actual showing itself, which 70 millimeters is not cheap. Like yes. It would end up costing me hundreds of dollars. <laughs> yeah, it would. And I would lose a whole day. <laughs> yep. And I think you'd be, you'd some... be looking at about seven hours of travel time, probably. Yeah. And I think that's something about, you know, you know being cinephiles that people don't quite understand that there's like a whole privilege to this thing where it's like, you have to have some money to be oh, yeah. a cinephile. Like you can't just be like poor and be like, yeah, I'm totally into film. I mean, it's, I look at it like any other hobby, you know, people have hobbies, fishing, hunting, arts and crafts, RC cars, all <laughs> that stuff. All that stuff costs money. And this is just another, it's just another hobby. The the thing that kind of sucks about being a cinephile is that a lot of the money you spend on your hobby, you get nothing tangible out of it. Yeah. You know, like if you're into RC cars, then you get those sweet tires or whatever, <laughs> whatever they buy. Well, and there's, stuff that, there's stuff that you can like, you can do on your own. Like if you're into fly fishing or RC cars, like you can create things on your own. Sure. You can figure out, you can kind of, you know, cut corners and create your own things and but like you i guess unless you make your own movie <laughs> shoot dunkirk yourself in your backyard yeah there's not much you can do you just use your drones and your rc cars to recreate dunkirk <laughs> apparently that's your other hobby i mean there's 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 exceptions you you can watch things on netflix and you can watch other movies yeah, and it doesn't cost just... anything and you can read about film online and and participate in conversations it's just unfortunate when you have like film critics and stuff like the mainstream film critics on twitter like you have to see this in 70 millimeter if you don't you're not experiencing the movie well dude i can't i'm sorry i can't do it yeah i mean i i get i get that but i do the same thing i'm i'm i always say the same thing like if you could see it in 70 do it yeah I do the same thing. I'm guilty of it as well. But it's when you see a movie in a certain format, like 70 millimeter, and I'm sure that everybody that's already saw Dunkirk in 70 had this reaction where you come out of the theater after experiencing it and you're just like, everybody has to experience the same thing that I just did in that same way because mm-hmm. it's, it was just, you know, it's just such a huge, uh, fantastic experience to, to be in that environment and all of that stuff and with with dunkirk from what i understand it was shot in 70 i think and the a lot of the 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 film was sort of designed around it and a lot of the action sequences and stuff were all done practically so you don't have a whole lot of cg in there and it just it looks like it's going to be a big epic Mm -hmm. war movie 
yeah that is suited for that larger format screen so i'm really excited to go see it yes it is it's going to be expensive even for me to go see it. i think 70 millimeter tickets are like 23 dollars so you know and you got to get concessions too of course so i'm probably going to be spending 50 dollars just for me but hey you know that's i'm i do that voluntarily because i want i do want the best experience of this movie yeah some things i won't do 4dx i think is a total ripoff and a gimmick and a sham i don't do 3d anymore either Anyway, what do you think of Dunkirk? Uh, I'm pretty pretty excited. I mean, people seem to be uh, pretty uh, pretty big up on this one. I just hope that seeing in my my small scale theater, not on seventy millimeter, and only spending twelve dollars. <laughs> Dude, you're not even gonna. You might as well <laughs> not even see it. Hopefully, it's the same movie. It's just gonna be like a bunch of kids running around with like popsicle sticks, airplanes, and shit. That would be funny if it was just <laughs> it's completely different. It was so it was com- it was so wildly different that anybody that sees it in a non seventy millimeter format, they're just like, "This movie is garbage." You can't even see the characters' faces; everything's blurred. Everything's out of frame. Mm-hmm. Uh. I'm pretty excited for it. I heard nothing but good things. It's you'll be happy to know that it's Nolan's shortest movie to date. Oh, thank God. Yeah, it's only 107 minutes, so it's... It's not bad. Yeah, that's... That's pretty tight. Current climate, pretty tight. Yeah. I don't know how how long Planet of the Apes was. It felt pretty lengthy. Uh, we also have Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. What do you think about this? This looks interesting. I mean, not... Um, out to the... Uh, the movie theater on opening weekend interesting but right it's down the road interesting sure yeah we'll we'll uh, talk more about this on ryan watches a movie this week but i i agree I, I i'll see it but i don't know if i'm gonna pay to go see it usually i go see one movie a week in theaters that's not like a press screening or something like i'll pay to go see one a week yeah during the weekend and that's going to be dunkirk this weekend so mm-hmm. we also have that's 60 dollars. <laughs> yeah i can't aff- i literally cannot <laughs> afford to go see valenian <laughs> taken out a loan <laughs> oh god uh, i gotta i gotta get a payday loan to to go see dunkirk oh it's just an endless vicious cycle yep we also have girls trip this looks pretty bad we have landline uh, I'll be checking this one out. Very, very interested in this. The new one from the uh, director of what was the movie with? It also starred Jenny Slate. That was a Obvious Child. Oh, really? Yes, director of Obvious Child. This also stars what? Jenny Slate. Takes place in the mid '90s, so I'm pretty excited about that. I did not know that. Yeah. Interest has been peaked. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like Turo's a in it? what? Turo's in it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. Jay Duplass, Edie Falco. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for this one. Finn yeah. Whitrock. All right, what else do we have here? The Fencer. We have First Kill. We have Killing Ground. Mm-hmm. 
I'll be checking out Killing Ground. It's a slasher, Australian slasher movie. IFC is putting that out. I think IFC Midnight. The Untamed Kuso, which is the Flying Lotus one. Mm-hmm. I guess he goes by Steve. This is uh, direct. This is his director name is Steve. That one looks really out there and strange. I, th- I think it might be a little too abstract for me. Um, like, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I think it's gonna be terrible. Yeah, I just it doesn't look great to me. That's gonna be on Shutter, so you can check that oh, out on, Sh- on Shutter. Yeah. Damn, Shutter's carving out a name for themselves. I know it's pretty impressive. But Kuso has some good people in it. Tim Heidecker, Hannibal Barris is in there. Anders Holm from uh, Workaholics is in there. The soundtrack sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. Got some Apex Twin. I'm assuming Flying Lotus is working on the soundtrack too. I don't know. I don't know what to think about this one. It looks really strange. and It, sounds like, it just looks like it's going to be a goddamn mess. Yeah, it's going to be... Because I think it's just going to be a mishmash of random ideas. I'm, yeah pretty sure that's what it is it's like about a really bad earthquake that hits la and the lives of several people that were affected by it yeah. so i think it's just going to be random shit i'm going to give it a look but I'm not expecting much the gracefield incident this is a i believe it's a found footage uh sci-fi horror movie looks pretty bad the midwife okay. uh, the black prince the girl without hands Figured you'd you'd be into the girl without hands. I don't know if you saw anything about that. No, the girl without hands. Huh? Yeah, it's an animated uh, French film, I believe. Right. Sounds. Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm f- interested in that. Yeah, I figured you'd be in- interested in that one. Let's see. Scales. Mermaids are real. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amnesia. We'll have a review for that one up on the site. That one looks kind of interesting. The Pulitzer at one hundred. Midnight Return, the story of Billy Hayes, mm-hmm. and on and on. There's more, but it's just, it's just getting a little... Yeah, right at this point, it's getting a little bit out of control. Yeah. Let's gotta, see what we have on VOD work, next week. You got to work your second job so you can see Dunkirk next weekend. Yeah. Anyway, that's true. That's the only, that's the only one. Next week, we're looking at VOD for the 18th. This is Tuesday. Residue. Residue. Mm-hmm. What is that all about? Probably. Uh, residue. residue. Eh, it doesn't look great. Yeah, thriller, crime thriller. Yeah, it looks terrible. Yep. Is it the, the I think the, the neighbor from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is in that? That's directed by Rusty Nixon. Cool. Rusty Nixon. We got Bone Jangles. It's a yeah. slasher movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. No Way to Live. This one actually looks pretty interesting. This is sort of a neo-noir crime crime thriller. Uh, I'll be checking this one out. Beyond Food. Big surprise. It's a food documentary. <clears throat> I haven't had one of those in like two weeks. On the 21st, we have Amnesia, The Gracefield Incident, mm-hmm. Killing Ground, Cuso. As I mentioned, that's on Shudder. Next week on Blu-ray, this is for Tuesday, July 18th, we have No Way to Live, Another Evil, which I'd say it's a uh, light recommend, Another Evil. Don't know about owning it on Blu-ray, but... No, no, no. Yeah. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm not sure I would put no. that in my collection, but no. a VOD. Uh, Buster's Mal Heart. I wanted to see that. 
It's a terrible title, though. It's just I, I know it, it. It is really bad. Karate Kill. This is one of these uh, like throwback '80s throwback movies. It doesn't look very good. Kong Skull Island. Oh, okay. I check, yeah, I would check that out. The Promise. Terrible cover. Resident Evil Vendetta. Is that? That's the animated one. Okay. I was like, what? I thought that the last one was called like Apocalypse or something. That's actually an animated Resident Evil one. Mm-hmm. Free Fire. This is Ben Wheatley one. I would I would recommend okay. checking that one out. That's that's worth a look. I had fun with that one. And that is pretty much it. Oh, uh, Arrow is releasing Stormy Monday from 1988. Nice. What do we have on the old Criterion front next week? We have one Criterion coming out, and that is Tarkovsky's Stalker from 1979, his final, final Russian feature. The old sci-fi classic, huh? The old sci-fi classic. The old sepia-toned. This movie's movie's good stuff. Yeah. Stalker's great stuff. I tried to watch it one time, but never, but didn't didn't get through. I, like, watched five minutes of it and realized that it wasn't the time nor place to watch this. I gotta say though, looking here on the website, the, the like the special features for this disc are kind of kind of slim, bit hmm. thin, bit thin. You got like a you got a new restoration, obviously. You have a, an interview, and then you have a couple other interviews with the cinematographer, set designer, and composer, and that's it. I mean, usually with Criterion's, you have a lot more than that. Yeah interesting yeah i don't know what's going on there but blu-ray.com gave it a pretty pretty high score here let's see what their total they gave the audio quality of five out of five video quality five out of five interestingly they didn't give the usually they talk about the um oh yeah here the extras yeah they only gave the extras a three and a half out of five okay yeah I mean, the extras behind this movie are almost just as interesting as the movie itself. Because this is essentially the movie that killed him. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'd, I'd be interested in checking this one out. I almost went to see it because it it the the restored version did play theaters around here, and I mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. wanted to go see it, but then I was like, oh man, this movie's like 162 minutes long. I just I don't know. Mm. I ended up wussing out like a big wuss. Mm. Unbelievable. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastyfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulsenet and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We will see you next week. Bang, bang, bang.